and welcome back to another edition of the puberty panel but this is going to be recorded on youtube and on spotify but we are not actually going to be doing a panel we're going to actually be doing a one-to-one -one session again because i have the amazing thomas with me tom hello hi says how are you doing oh not bad thanks you all right yeah not too bad i think you know the at the moment things are things are a bit weird because i recently had a an acl reconstruction surgery they like replaced a couple of my ligaments in my knee um so like it's it i'm sort of slowly transitioning back into like my my job um but it's it's taking a bit of bit of effort to kind of readjust the schedule and like stuff like that i mean it's really hard to get back into the routine really of what, what everything's going around you and it, it's overwhelming with things like that but um de you're definitely really doing well by the sounds of the progress on instagram because i, I know <laughs> it can be really hard but you managed to be a trooper and i'm really really proud of you for that oh thank you very much it's um i spent a lot of time on youtube trying to figure out exactly how to do stuff <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, YouTube is quite hard at times because when you think of ideas, you just think, oh no, what do I do? <laughs> yeah. But your mind goes all over the place, really. But that that's normal, really. That That's just like YouTube stuff. But anyway, Tom, we need to know a bit more about yourself. So is there anything you want to talk about, like hobbies or interests or what you do for your channel or on Instagram? Um, I think that the place that I'm probably most well known for is either my podcast the 40 Audi podcast or um my work on instagram but um so the 40 Audi podcast it's like a it's like an autism and mental health podcast and i've had uh people on from all different walks of life or people from different places around the world and it's um it's it's all really good and it's kind of like so it's not very much like an interview style podcast it's more of like a, a chat and a a chill kind of thing and um I, I was very happy to to manage to nail down uh temple grandin for my first episode of the season um <laughs> yeah uh, I, i've never heard of this but i know temple grandin's really hard to interview really but she is absolutely one of the biggest role models in the autism community actually but what other guests have you interviewed on your podcast tom um well, I've, I've interviewed a guy called Steve Silberman, who's like, is, is a lot bigger in the US than he is in the UK. Uh, he, he wrote articles like The Geek Syndrome and uh, the book Neurotribes, which was you know a real eye-opener for me because I'm not really that big on history and stuff, but it was the first kind of like autism history book that I've read. Um, and then, of course, <laughs> uh, Simon Baron-Cohen, which was... Uh, around the time that he released the the whole Spectrum 10K study, which was a really interesting talk. Um, and uh, Purple Ella as well, which oh. was really nice because I, I, she's they were one of the first people that I came across on YouTube when I was like in my infancy of advocating and stuff i mean ella is always great to like with um interviewing all of that but i need to get her on the podcast sometime but um everyone that you come with it's always lovely when you do a podcast just to meet and chat with everybody because you get to know more about things really don't you and i know with that tom you, you probably feel the same way about it yeah it's, it's kind of it's kind of strange isn't it because like like when you when you start creating things um you know, you go from being like a, 
sort of a, a user in the space and then you start creating stuff like undoubtedly you're going to have less energy to to engage with people to um sort of i guess consume the stuff that other people are making so it's it's not often that we get kind of unless it's like an active effort and you do like live streams or interviews and stuff um tends to be very separated like <laughs> the bit the people and <clears throat> you know the the thing that i've you know most enjoyed about the podcast is kind of listening to other people's experiences of being on you know creating their own stuff and and also sort of learning from them as well like um I remember doing a live, I think I did like a catch-up chat with uh, Dan from the Aspie world and he was, um, I was ta- I was talking about like how he does his short form videos and context. He's like a, it's like a, a speed god. We're just like pushing stuff out everywhere. <laughs> and I was like, I need a little bit of that for my very longer form personality. Um, so he, he um, pointed me towards in a, a website called repurpose.io which basically like takes loads of youtube videos and stuff and um, allows you to kind of chop it up and then put it out on different social medias and that's been really helpful so you do learn that you learn a lot from other people and also like it's it's cool to know like what their life is like you know because you, you see an autism advocate and you're like oh that's the only thing that they do um but quite often you know they, they have a, another job or they do something interesting and like it's it's always it's always very humbling to kind of hear people's stories I suppose oh yeah definitely that that's the beauty of a podcast actually just to talk about things and get to know people as well and I know Tom that um because how do I explain this because this is so hard to think about with all of that because your biggest topic that you always mention on social media is puberty and funny enough you and vicky were like as vicky as in victoria from actually aspling who was on one of the panels before you two have been like the inspirations for the puberty panel as well so it's so great to have you both on separate ones but it's good it's good making me blush um i think i think definitely like I would, I would like to put a lot more emphasis on Vicky because, like, she's doing some amazing work. Like, uh, actually going out and doing some work in the scientific community and, like, you know, making some actionable resources. And like, um, I definitely say that that Vicky definitely does have more of a a, a greater input. It's it's kind of the the stuff that I talk around about around puberty tends to be around mental health and the experience of being in a mainstream school and having all those tricky sort of traumatic experiences. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, but but we'll definitely jump onto that actually. But um, I know it was going to be a panel before, but since we're doing one-to-one, we'll just probably uh, like do like a relax. But for those who don't know, in the other puberty panels before, I did um, something called statements. Now statements is like an open conversation. So it's not big questions or anything, but one of them is a question because I thought, why not? But because um, <laughs> the, the panel didn't actually happen, it's just one-to-one. I thought I might just still include the statements anyway 
anyway because I know that mainstream school and mental health um, is very important for you to talk about Tom so I just thought we'll just probably talk about it and yeah we'll, we'll see how everything goes. The first statement I originally put for this one is that I felt that I was out of place during puberty so this is the thing that everyone talked about on the last few panels um, like the last three ones so where they talked about um, making friends was hard and they had to uh, face like different kinds of bullying include including period shaming which has become mm. advertised um as far as i know and then um yeah just kind of like your things of like that but tom what was it like for you puberty <laughs> <laughs> um oh my god not good <laughs> um it's it's a really difficult time in your life because i've read some I've, I've read some books around like psychology and um there, there was one book that i read i can't remember the the name of it but they they said that around the age at which you kind of go through puberty is the time that your like prefrontal cortex becomes like the most developed so it's kind of like prefrontal cortex like is basically like your awareness and sort of your control over your body and behavior and stuff and um one of one of the the effects of that is that you become very hyper aware of your own existence <laughs> and um and also other people you know like whereas before you would you know someone was looking at you just kind of pass it off and get on with what you're doing now someone someone just looks at you for a second you're thinking oh my god like is there something wrong with me like uh, do i have something on my face or like you know and that sort of i guess hyper aware state you know for most people it can be quite anxiety provoking and quite you know scary because you have all these social dynamics going on around you um but when when you're autistic it's 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 even harder because you you have such a you know you don't develop those that uh, the awareness of what's going on as as just a natural part of development like you do it you do to some degree but it's it's not as heightened and it can it can often feel like you know the the entire school um went on this big sort of holiday and they made up their own sort of rules and ways that they engage and ways that they talk about talk to each other and how they say things mean certain things and um it basically just leads you to just being really confused and just kind of being most of the time quite quite like the, the the silent observer like you you don't you don't want to say too much that you know because because maybe you understood what they were talking about wrong or like and you don't you don't want to be too sort of quiet because then people will think that you're you know not involved in the group and that you're a bit weird they're like <laughs> you know so that, that that was basically how I felt for a lot of it and um and obviously with puberty comes, you know, a lot of different feelings that you get that haven't happened beforehand. So like, um, that, you know, before, before that, I, to be honest, well, when I was younger, I was, I was always sort of obsessed with the idea of like marriage and having a relationship. Cause I've always been very, um, I've always like, placed people very very highly on my sort of focus they've been like my special interests like 
learning about neurotypicals, how they work. And, and so, you know, getting to puberty to that age, it's, you know, obviously I, I was wanting to have like a girlfriend and I was wanting to sort of, you know, have someone, because I, I imagine it was going to be someone who is different to the people at school and different to my friends. And I could, you know, they would understand me and love me and like, um, but obviously it was, it's not the case like that. It's, it's very different in real life. And that sort of learning, learning all this stuff about relationships and, and um, intimacy things through things like Disney and things like <laughs> drama TV shows or like, oh, you know, like, Oh, they're so bad, these, uh, like, Disney and um, all stuff, especially the old Disney films, because they such have a very bad reputation to lure you in. It's like, oh, you the first person you meet is going to be a true love. And for me being there myself, and I can personally relate to this, Tom, because I was the same, but um, the first person I ended up dating with was autistic, but it actually turned out really complicated than I, I expected, really. But I did learn something from that, because... It, real life is more complicated than you think really and I was trying so hard to get into a new relationship after me and my ex split up but um, I just really learned recently that some people they don't need a girl or a man or anyone's transgender in, in a relationship to be happy because you can always be happy within yourself and yeah. it, it just makes you feel like sometimes I wish I knew, knew that before I started but that's that's therefore you make mistakes and then you learn from them and um with puberty there's gonna be a few uh like a little bit of runs but it's okay though because you're still learning through that even though it is difficult yeah yeah definitely and sort of understanding where the the lines between fictional and reality lie in terms of relationships um it's 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 kind of it's kind of hard and you you have especially as an autistic person, you see all these things and you're like, well, I can do that. That's how it works. That seems quite simple. Um, it's not like that. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you often have to learn the hard way. Um, and, uh, you know, in a situation where you're in a mainstream school and, um, you know, perhaps you're, you're deciding to date somebody in within the friend group, um, you know everything that that happens between you doesn't isn't necessarily private and isn't you know so there can be there was a lot of situations in my life where um people that i was dating at school were you know being quite shaming of me behind my back or like you know sh sharing stuff with with large groups of people uh without my consent and um you know, it's, and it's, so not, not everything, it's not, it's not like, it, it does, it did have quite large impacts on me. And I was kind of, I was kind of a bit thankful that I didn't fully understand, understand like what was happening at the time. Um, but I, I think that, that that whole, the whole thing about puberty for me that really um, caused me a lot of issues was, was around relationships and, um, around the, the consequences of perhaps uh, getting into a relationship and, and thinking that everything was going to be sort of a person-to-person -person thing, whereas in reality, um, not everybody has the same intentions and it can be quite 
damaging for us to get into situations where the power dynamics are a lot different. I absolutely agree with that. That is completely understandable and 100% relatable, and it could be for everyone as well. But we're going to probably jump onto that because, sure. um, well, well, how do we put this really? I put like down that masking can be challenging as a second statement because I know a lot of people said they found that making friends could be hard and most like autistic um, teens who go through puberty, they do mask a lot, mainly girls. Hmm. Definitely, yeah. Um, I'd say that, but I, it's kind of kind of a bit weird, weird and different for me because I don't think I sort of actively tried to to mask a lot um, during those times because I really just didn't have any idea of what to do or or how to do things and uh, around socialising, you know, things like that. Um, so I, I didn't tend to do a lot of a lot of masking, but I definitely did when I when I got a bit older. Um, one thing that I can say about sort of, um, you know, obviously it it does tend to be that that females tend to to have a lot of the um, the issues with masking, especially at that age, because um, you know you, there's a lot there's a lot there tends to be a lot of sort of emotional sort of communication based bullying from other women um other other females at that age uh, whereas with guys it tends to be a lot more sort of physical um not always just just from 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 research and things of that nature and talking to other people um so i never i never thought, felt a particular need to, to, to do that but i did um, copy things from movies. I would see a movie and I'd identify with a character or I like a character in a certain way. And then I would try and act like them to kind of, it's, I don't know the, the exact word for it. There is a name for it. Um, but I, I tended to do that a lot. And um, I think, I think at one point I got, got myself into like quite a big delusion because um, I didn't really understand autism at the time. And so I was attributing my feelings of being different and my mental health and not really getting the other people around me as me being some sort of alien creature. <laughs> I lived with that for such a long time. And it's, yeah, it's, um, it, it definitely did. It helped me cope with the stuff that was happening by sort of being a different thing than I actually was but you know eventually I kind of had to make the realization that you know this was an illusion and that I need to sort of face things and you know understand things and and take myself for who I was rather than what I wanted to be. It's like really hard though when you go through puberty and with the, the mask and all that because it can can be difficult for anybody and I know that some people do get bullied for it especially I think what you tried to mean there Tom I don't know if it was either stimming or mimicking because that's yeah, around mimicking yeah yeah i thought so because um it's kind of like um what uh, people do in drama classes and they, they just pretend to be that character rather than themselves and 
I always find it quite interesting, really, especially around the acting side. And um, it's interesting to see how a person can feel comfortable with that as like their shell. And then others just look and think, I know that's not that real person. Why are he and she is doing that? And then that's where they get the judgments and the looks and the bullying almost. Yeah, I think I think the thing was is that I was I was willfully ignorant of stuff because um, for, for the majority of secondary school I was quite heavily mentally ill um, up until the point where I was uh, I had a lot of a lot of self-harming when I was younger and um, some attempts and I had I had, I had quite severe anxiety uh, depression and dissociative conditions as well as you know picking up an eating disorder because of you know as, as we were talking about with the relationships and stuff I wanted to make myself look better and so I didn't feel like it was enough so I had to change my body so that I felt better about it um and so it's it's kind of most of the time I I just didn't want to add to the already um heavy burden that my brain was under each day and you know most of my my energy and most of my focus was put on to people who were uh bullies um physical bullies and emotional and social socially <laughs> social police people, people who were just nasty horrible humans and I had to deal with them um, at every single stage of my day at school there's always that lingering thought that someone's going to come around the corner and you know say something to me and me not knowing how to deal with it and or pushing me or flicking me on the air or like just doing little things like that and so I was just always on high alert so the things like things like masking and things like you know st stuff that I probably should have paid more attention to, I was quite ignorant to because I just I, I was already sort of constantly in that anxious state, I, focusing on other things. Uh, there's a similar story that I found um, through uh, someone who I used to know. Um, that we were friends at drama school, but she was autistic too. And she had like uh, the problem really, especially um, when she came out of puberty, um, every time she would stim and mimic, um, someone will tell her to stop stimming, especially when we were in the classes. And I was a witness to that. Um, when she would feel anxious, she would stim and rock back and forth. And a, a teacher would tell her off because of that. And then when she was younger, um, some stupid people um, set her hair on fire with a lighter. And these are like really awful, awful stuff that people always have to go through. And that was like one of the worst things I've ever heard, really, just because um, it, some people can really get really angry. And, um, and puberty is kind of like a weird time, really, when... The bullying increases as well, really. Sometimes it can be damaging like to mental health. Sometimes uh, it will knock people's confidence. And everyone goes through experiences in different ways, really. But if things are bad, they get bad. Yeah. And I, I think it's it's really it's really a fault of the it's it's a fault of the systems because um, you know, most schools aren't aren't doing the bare minimum to try and include autistic people um in the in mainstream education 
no, I was just I was talking recently to uh, Mason from the Crohn's and Autism Advocate Advocacy. Oh yeah, Advocate for Autism and Crohn's. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, we were talking about his because he had an experience where he was in mainstream for primary and then he moved to um, like special needs schools. And you know, obviously, I I had. I've had some ex- about a years experience as a special needs TA, both in in both of those environments, mainstream and um, send special education. And um, the, the the difference between the two is just absolutely night and day. And like, it's very hard for me to come come and say, <laughs> put your kids in mainstream school because it's quite the, the, the majority of cases pretty much everyone that I talked to bar one two three people um, out of everybody it's been awful for them and it's had real impacts on their both their ability to form relationships as as well as you know friendships the ability to work as well and we know that the majority of you know particularly ASD1 individuals have either average or above average intelligence, as well as numerous positive um, skills, you know, special interests, a lot of positive traits. Um, but yet the, the employment rates are absurd. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it, I, I always think of work. Work now, it's kind of like um, the adult version of school. It's this melting pot of people that, whether you like it or not, you have to be around and interact with. So it's kind of like an extension of that. And people just really don't feel able to, to go back into an environment like that. That's a really good point, actually. I really love that term because I never actually never thought about that really. But I definitely agree in one way, especially since schools, mainstream schools now, they um, are changing some of the special educational needs system. I know that one of the local schools I go to, my nephew, one of my nephews goes to, and he's going through puberty at the moment too. And um, one of the schools like he went, well, the school he goes to now, um, their special educational needs department has like increased um, big time so uh, that's always like really good to know really and we'll probably jump onto this one actually because with the schools and social clubs and um, a lot of people like including yourself Tom just say um, schools need to be more aware and understanding but we didn't mm. I don't think we've touched on social clubs lately um, on any of them because um, when you think of a social club you think of things like um scouts or after school clubs and one of the places i used to volunteer it was at a um an after school club um for uh, teenagers and um they had some really interesting stuff that's going on but they were all in leaflets and you had each leaflet about like sex and um going through changes and all of that and i just thought how does a leaflet actually help? I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I t- but... <laughs> teenagers aren't going to be looking at leaflets. <laughs> yeah, I still got a copy of the leaflets, but I'm just like, <laughs> I know you try to make it a bit easy, but come on, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, it's always they, they have a very heavy aversion to anything like that. Like school. I mean, they 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 actual like sex education at schools was um. At my school was pretty useless. Uh, they didn't really do much, um, to be honest. 
and uh, you know, I th I think it particularly particularly for for autistic people, I think some sort of guidance around that 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 area would have been really helpful. Uh, but I know that you're talking about social clubs, but um, I think I think with so social clubs, I mean, I was always involved in a lot. Uh, I went swimming. I went to tennis. I went. Uh, to, to scouts and beavers and cubs and stuff like that and um, and also taekwondo my taekwondo club and I really I really 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 like social social clubs because it's an opportunity to to go to a place that you, you can exit from <laughs> you know it's so you know one, one of the things that that I kind of take away from mine and Mason's podcast was that you know, maybe it might be a good idea to just go to a special needs school just for the for the safety and for the you know peace of mind and for the sort of more inclusive education um and then perhaps go to clubs where there's a mix of different neurotypes and people and you know i feel i feel like that those social clubs were the times where i learned the most about people um because my mum wouldn't force me to go but she would she would offer me advice and offer you know some criticism on on how to get along with the kids better or understand the kids better. Um, but in inclusive inclusive wise from the actual clubs, um, it's very varied, <laughs> and uh, some clubs not so great. Um, I remember this one time where I was in Cubs or Beavers or something. And one of the other kids asked me to uh, shout some swear words at, because they, they split us into boys and, and girls for some reason. In lines, it was like a birthday thing. And um, they, they told me to shout swear words at the, the, the line of girls. And uh, I didn't know what swear words were because every time that my mom said not to say something, I was like, okay, what's that? <laughs> and um, so I didn't know what they were and I got, I got very heavily told off and like all the the parents and stuff didn't want to have me at any, any any of the gatherings again and like I was pretty much shunned by that group of not by the kids by the adults um who were parents to those kids um so yeah I, I think you know a lot more a lot I think a lot more education for anybody who is working with the general public around autism would be really helpful and also um, a big focus, especially if they're, they're a lot younger, um, for um, the parents of those other children uh, so that the autistic autistic individual can be more included in things and not sort of stigmatised and boxed off due to uh, difficulties with social communication things. I definitely agree and um, it, it's really hard to actually put like heads around it really especially if you are in a mainstream school with a special educational needs department and that was me both primary and secondary and um, it was um, it's very tough just to actually find like some comparisons really especially about puberty and how the way that they teach you but with religious schools it doesn't really help it's a <laughs> non-go either especially with the conflict that I mentioned before between religion and science and um it's just like two children you, they, who don't get along with each other that's what yes. i always tend yes. to find <laughs> i can i can imagine so yeah 
yeah I, do, I mean in my primary school and obviously scouts and beavers for stuff you know obviously they resided in the church so they're inherently quite Christ, christian orientated um uh kind of i the, the funny thing is is that, that those places tend to be the worst in terms of including me in things um <laughs> for some reason no no uh, it's fine <laughs> sports swimming tennis things like that they, a lot a lot better for me especially when there was like a a focus for things like i the, the intention wasn't to to go and socialize it was to do the thing and then if socializing happens around it then good stuff but you know what i mean we're probably going to jump on to that because i think this is what i really would love to hear your opinion on this tom but um Another statement that I put is that um, I feel parents, carers and teachers should provide easy resources like um, easy videos to explain books or etc to make the topic more inclusive. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I, th I think we forget sometimes that, you know, not, not all information that we put out there is easily accessible by everybody. Um, I mean, even even in my workplace at the moment, uh, we, you know, we're doing a lot of stuff, uh, trying to get people who can produce like things like easy read documents and you know things of that nature. And I think you know, considering that um, you know people are younger, it's you know that their their ability to sort of absorb information is a bit limited um, as as compared to when they're an adult. So it's I think that. You know, making making information sort of a lot more concise and less jargony and like a lot more straightforward would really be helpful for a lot of individuals. That's definitely like a good thing to do. And I know that with um like the past resources as well, um some of um the things that I've heard and learned about through other people, that they were just really shocking bit weird or over the top but it does make you think that with um everything that like that's going on really puberty is not really explained like properly in any any um school environmental um setting or maybe at home as well because i mean parents could be um could be like not embarrassed but just a little bit concerned about uh talking about puberty with children especially mm. if the children are autistic or and they have like hard um time processing everything the information and if uh, and if they're teenagers as well like <laughs> the last the last thing that any teenager wants is for the first time they talk about things to do with intimacy being right with every single classmate that they have uh, with the teacher that they usually have it's not like they, they take take you to one side and sort of you know give you some information in private because it's a very touchy sort of um difficult or embarrassing topic for some people um i think the option of learning about it in one's own sort of semi-private space or at least a bit more bit more one-to-one -one rather than the whole classroom probably be a lot more productive because everyone just i mean from my experience i do everyone in mainstream in my class whenever there was anything like this uh, everyone's just laughing and making jokes all the time and the teachers look awkward looked awkward and we we felt awkward because of that and like i feel like there needs to be a lot more sort of 
um, effort from both the schools and teachers to try and uh, make sure that stuff like this is a lot more um, understood and a lot more accessible because it's not just about how to put a condom on. It's, it's also about the, the mental social things that can, that can happen. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be around just, just intimacy. Obviously, it'd be better to have that a bit more understood um for every everything more understood on most cases but um it, you know including those things could be really sort of validating to a lot of kids a lot of adolescents who you know are, are going through a difficult time and you know they're being told that this is something that happens sometimes for some people um and i i've never i don't think i was ever came across a situation where you know teachers or you know I learned about something that that genuinely made me feel understood and validated and I feel like that's a really key and core component to anything due to puberty or or sex education that I definitely agree with that actually Tom because um it's pretty awkward to um explain for like say well when people were taught puberty before our generation and uh, they would have learned things in a different way really but not probably even not um it, it probably puberty wasn't mentioned in the school curriculum at all not even pshe lessons or sex education lessons if um if you are in different parts of the country um not the country different parts of the world so beg your pardon yeah. but um it's it's kind of awkward really when you think about the balance of things because you've got like some people from like the older generation like parents and grandparents or some of the teachers who are a bit worried and feel a bit awkward in one way to have like talk about it or give lectures about it especially if they had to like um, explain in science classes really because I remember um, not having much PSHE lessons at, at secondary school no. at all um, because it, it was pretty awkward and i know that um i know that one thing that's um i remember as well as like the puberty and pregnancy and all of that there was one um bit we learned about smoking and um it it was really interesting about like with the mental health because um at like school they used like a bunsen burner and uh, they had like a little cigarette and then they had like cotton wool like oh like, yeah yeah ones. yeah i know what you mean yeah and it got like um burned and it just taught us uh, well the teachers um showed up uh, me and my class peers to show us how smoking is very bad for you the girls just giggled because they were like uh, uh, okay this is just for a laugh and i thought it is shocking in one way but it's not going to prove anything really and i wish there was a bit more depth into it somehow and it was the same with puberty especially when you have like um teachers of the opposite sex um in like same same sex schools like girls or boys and yeah. um there are different gender teachers that will have to teach about puberty and it's awkward it can be awkward yeah and i, th I think it's uh, I, i'm very much of the opinion that the adults who are in education talking about this should have a little bit more, um, they, they should be a little bit more mature around topics like this. Like they're aware that people, that adolescents are gonna find it funny or they're gonna find it embarrassing or awkward. 
but like they they take it as as a way to to move things on quickly and stop talking about it rather than opening up opportunities to have more of a discussion about it because like it's all good giving general knowledge and stuff but once if a kid comes up to you and asks you about an, about something that they've experienced and something that they are experiencing um that's like that advice is probably going to be so much more useful than the like it's good to have the the basis of it and stuff but it's not really a it's not it's not really geared to for, from my experience it didn't it didn't feel like it was really geared towards improving or learning it felt like something that they were just trying to get out of the way so that it can continue with their their day uh, which i think is a really bad really bad thing because it's very very important and you know for a lot of people relationships and intimacy it's a very sizable amount of someone's life and <laughs> you know like it's it's very important as well like with like learning about marriage and things like that it's like I, I didn't get any of that. And like, how am I supposed to know? I mean, so many things like that, that just aren't covered a lot, like uh, money investing, like, well, why don't I know about money? Like how to, how to do best with it. And it's, um, it feels like the PHSC lessons are kind of just a, a thing that the school wants to get out of the way because they know that they have to do it, but they just, they, they try and get out of the way so they don't do a very good job of it. And it is not a central part. And like, I mean, just going even further, I never heard anything about autism in PHSCU lessons. Yeah, I definitely remember that actually, because they didn't really mention autism, not even once when I was at school, which nope. is still shocking. And especially if you are a mainstream school with a special educational needs department as well, yeah. that, that would be equally shocking. Yes. Yeah, we did We did have something, something similar to a special needs department but like i just i just think that it's absurd because they, they they know from the records that they have at least one or one one to five people in each year who are autistic i mean just going off statistics it's it's gonna happen and like they're, they're not they're not doing like they're not even doing the they had for me they didn't do the bare minimum um didn't didn't do anything. I did, I never heard anything about autism, and I I sort of took it as something very minimal uh, when I was younger. And it was only as as I got older and um through through talking to my mom and trying to understand a bit better about other people and being introduced to the autistic community that I actually felt oh maybe this is a sizable amount of it does make us sizable difference in how I function and how I perceive and feel and you know um and for it not even to be touched on once it's it's absurd I know that um there are other ways that um schools have done it it's really outside the UK there was um I think it was mentioned on American television a lot but I know that there was um, a few times really now I don't know if this is like a real thing or not in real life but there were some TV shows especially in like teenage ones where um, you see that um, 
how do I put this? It's kind of like um, you learn how to take care of a baby, and um, so because you pair up into pairs, like a boy or a girl or a same-sex couple, <laughs> and then they give you a baby doll, and it's like, right, you got to look after yes it for a week, and then give yeah it back. And I'm just like, that's the education we need. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think stuff like that it's I mean, at least they're actually putting some effort into it I think um, you know so some things they don't get touched on at all some things they get touched on very lightly and some other things you know I, th I think that that education around sort of having having babies would be quite important for um, you know for people who are wanting to to get out of education and be be a mom or be a dad or Like it's it's very important. Um, I do I do think that you know some things get a lot more attention than other things. Um, and I think even something as common as mental health among adolescents isn't something that's talked about a lot either. So it's 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 kind of weird how schools sort of function in terms of like their priorities. It does just feel like. Sometimes they just they just wing it and they just do a certain <laughs> educate on a certain thing and then forget other things and then touch on other things lightly. It's like why isn't PHSCE such a like much more important lesson than it should be a much more important lesson than it is. This is actually agreeable because I I don't know how I'd like to say this actually as well because I know that um, it, it's very important to get the messages across throughout there, especially within the school curriculum. And it's a feeling of like um, someone needs to be aware about this. So if you've got like someone who is in the politics field um, that works in education department, say in the UK or in the US politics, as just like a main example, that that's the best way to actually get things started if anyone wants to campaign um, about having more inclusive PSHE lessons or topics or something like that. But I, I would definitely point anyone towards the organization that I work for at the moment. You know, I, I speak as an individual um, in, in, in the work that I do online. Uh, but the, the stuff that, that goes on there, you know, it's like, it's, it's very, like, you, you can actually have an impact. Like, if you're listening and, and you want to, to have an impact, you actually can. And there's a lot of charities out there who are looking for people to, to get involved and looking for people to share stories from is just it does require you to just have a have a search for it and it, it could be searching for a couple of keywords a couple of companies stuff is really it's really easy to find but at the same time it's hard to know what like know about and find because <laughs> um and you know particularly in my organization they work with the, the department for education and you know They, they do a lot of a lot of great stuff and there's a lot of exciting sort of things that are doing that are kind of along the lines to what you what you're talking about i can't really talk about it too much because i don't know how much i'm allowed to say but um there is there definitely is change happening and you know people can get involved it's just kind of finding those opportunities it's it's they're, they're not very good at organization in general they're not very good at bit sort of doing that active effort they we kind of they kind of rely on people coming to them so it's um there definitely is a lot of opportunities that you can you can get from 
finding and, and emailing or messaging different organizations yeah exactly because uh, i know that me and vicky are and then cornell as well um working on the um like the video projects about puberty and then at one point i would really love to talk to the education secretary about this even though politics is not really my field but it it, it just takes one voice to uh, make a stand for something or many voices in in fact really because each voice is so important it only takes one person to point it out really or it could if it's online it could involve many many people who are advocates um uh, who are just uh, not advocates but they want to share the topics to talk about if that makes sense yeah definitely and um there is a lot of stuff to be involved in and i think it's sometimes i mean particularly for me it can feel sometimes a bit overwhelming just like where like or like if, if you're looking for it and you know for me because i have the the public presence I have a lot of people sort of come up to me and ask me to get involved in different things and I'm like yes I want to get involved with that yes I want to get involved with that and it's like sometimes you gotta like prioritize what you're doing and uh um it's easy to get excited about it and then I guess not not be as involved as you want it to be um I've had that happen quite a few times but yeah I mean have you have you heard of um lovely woman called Sienna Castellon? No, I don't think I have, no. Yeah, she's the author of the uh the book, The Spectrum Girls Survival Guide. And um she's done like some some talks at like uh I think the, the UN uh, around like neurodiversity and stuff. And like I, I I am in the agreement that we can change things. I think things are a lot more harder to change than most people can think about and most people are aware of because it's it's you know the, the these organizations these these people it's, it takes quite a long time to kind of get the message across but i do think that a lot of the work that people are, are doing for organizations are not online and in communities you know it's cumulative and at some point there is going to be a breaking point where you know, the it becomes a certain level and the media pick up on it and it's going to be something that's talked about a lot. And that's where I think a lot of the, the change is really going to start to ignite. <laughs> yeah. We're going to actually see some of these things that we all know are very obvious, easy improvements that we can make to things, but just it isn't happening. <laughs> that's it that, that's like the thing though but slow and steady always just takes time really and it does take a bit longer to do things but there's going to be a point that one day it'll get there and we just got to have a positive enthusiasm for it definitely and i think it's really great working with working with organizations on it because they really 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 need our input on it like there is that there's a term for people who like for, for, for autistic people, um, you know, if you were to go into an organization, they would take you as an expert by experience. So it means you are an expert by experience. And if you get involved in projects, um, particularly around co-production, you can have a lot more of a bigger say than you would think. And um, it's something that, that I've seen in action in my organization, NDTI, but also just, just, out, out in the world you know doing different things with different charities and things like that it, it definitely they definitely do listen to you if they're, if they're looking for 
experts by experience, that's usually a, a good green flag and you, you can really have a lot of positive impacts on at least the organization and possibly other organizations as it becomes more sort of normative. Yeah, definitely agree. Absolutely. And then we're going to probably jump on to one final statement because sure, sure. I know that advice is really important especially if there's someone who's going through that stage really and if there was someone who has been in the, the, the past who went through that and has found it tricky that advice is really important to give because it's just something that if people just want need some help and guidance that they do but i always wondered that if you um would to give advice tom what would advice would you give to someone who's going through puberty um obviously i can i can you know my, my experiences are very mine um i think i would say i would say in general that you know things are going to appear very scary all of a sudden and there's going to be a lot of things that happen that you don't have control over and some things that you do. Um, I think that the most important thing is to try and find, if you're struggling, is to try and find, um, whether, whether it's a parent, whether it's your parents, whether it's a teacher, whether it's um, a counsellor, whether it's anyone like that, having somewhere to actually voice what you're feeling and and the, the, the struggles that you're having um, is really beneficial because uh, if you don't, then it's it's going to be something that you suffer in silence with until you decide to. Um, and that's something that I, I kind of had to, to learn. You know, my 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 mom's an, an amazing mom and she's, you know, she's, she's head of send, send education for, she was head of send education for a large part of England. Wow. And, um, yeah <laughs> she's an amazing woman she was in my documentary actually but um and uh you know i should have i should have talked to her about stuff and i didn't um and i think it's it's all because i felt like i was the outsider and i felt like i was weird and i felt like i was alone in all of this and i just had to deal with it and experience it and you know if i, I was to actually open up a little bit to the counsellors or open up to my parents or open up to a, a teacher and actually request for support I probably would have been a lot better off or at least I would have somewhere to direct all of the, the difficult feelings and experiences that I was having. And I know that it's very important just to like some have the experience really but sometimes you can get like a little bit stuck on things really. I know that my mum she um, was a nurse and um, she always used to go to like my local council just to talk about um, like uh, giving what um, like autistic people may, may need if they need extra help in education or other topic, topics and uh, topics and why and sometimes it, i think the i probably might get the advocacy from her really i, I might have gone uh, got the advocacy ah, i cannot speak <laughs> <laughs> i think i got this I feel your pain. yes <laughs> but um it's really good to have like some people there who are there to inspire you really and i know that it is a little bit difficult but with your mum being the head of special educational needs uh, uh, special educational needs um system in the uk 
wow i mean that that is such an, an amazing job to have really and 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 it's so helpful as well and it, it can open the doors to anybody including family definitely and i, I think uh, definitely something that i learned from both working uh and sort of trying to make make change uh, you know i've, I've done inter uh, interviews and presentations to like the dwp and like to to different different places and um it really it really can be very difficult sometimes to feel like you're making a change but it's um it's, it's really important to keep pushing on and trying to support other people who are trying to make a change as well sort of raise everybody up and try to i guess instead of um isolating people and isolating um set you know organizations not you know like may, maybe get in contact with those organizations and try to have some impact and um i don't know where i'm going with this <laughs> i think you were asking something about something gets you see there we go i think i've hit my communication <laughs> oh it's That's okay very... <laughs> no it's okay no. i was just, just listening to myself speaking like what what am i talking about <laughs> oh no i mean this is like the thing though i'm always the same because oh, every time i just do like um like interviews or panels and all of that i always go like I talk backwards mm. and um that, that that's i think that's my autistic trait and um sometimes it, it just goes backwards and with the communication it it can feel like um or well, what what do you call it when you put like two fists together or two thumbs together it's like or... friction yes like... that's the one friction <laughs> yes yes oh. i think it's um yeah i, th I, th I think it is it's difficult sometimes like for the most of it, I could speak quite well, but then like sometimes my brain will just go off. It'll like switch off for like a second. I'm like, I was just in the middle of making a point and now I've got no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, I know that it's like, it's hard to like always talk about things, but I know that um, there was so much, much more to talk about, but we'll definitely have to uh, let you come back really, Tom, because definitely be cool. would love to you to have on the podcast again and maybe get Vicky as well, because I am so determined to get you both on a podcast episode together. Oh, I'd love that. That would be so grand. I would, I would, yeah. And I think we'll probably leave it there because, um, yeah, because at the time of recording this, it's nearly half past ten. Yeah, well, it's it's so good. It's uh, it's well, it's is it Friday. I thought it was yeah, Saturday. It is Friday, yeah. Oh my lord! Well, I'm going to. I'm probably going to go out to the to the pub. Uh, soon. have a have a look, couple of drinks. Yeah, it's not often that I I do that to be honest, but I feel oh. like it's been a very long week. <laughs> oh no you deserve it though because it is a friday night and it, it's quite fun as well normally i don't do it on friday but sometimes having a few drinks will be good as well but we'll definitely like give big cheers to all of that tom so that's been fantastic Thanks, but yeah so tom thank you so much for coming on and it's been marvelous having you on on the podcast and uh, i know that um, it's nice just having like a do one to or one as um, well as doing the panels as well but yeah definitely we'll have you on again and yeah definitely go and join your drink <laughs> thank definitely. you very much Seth. i appreciate oh. the uh, opportunity
Oh, you're welcome, Tom. That's been an absolute pleasure. And if you want to follow Tom's podcast as well and his YouTube channel and Instagram, I will leave all links in the description box down below on Spotify and on YouTube as well. Go check them out. They are amazing. And if you um, also want to catch up as well on the panels, I will leave them all in the cards on YouTube and on a playlist. And yeah, I think that's all I've got to say, really, because I know I can get into too much about it. But yeah, so we'll probably leave it there. And until then, guys, I will catch you very soon. Take care. Bye.